Don't call it a comb back. I'll have hair for years. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, what up, girl? my glasses, I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. You know what I do if I own a hockey team? This is the Press Box. I hire a sumo wrestler. With Grady and Bischoff. I'd give him a uniform, transportation, 500 bucks a week to sit in the goal, eat a ham sandwich, and enjoy the game. My team would never get scored on. On ESPN Las Vegas. We would get scored on constantly. Maybe, but we sell a few tickets. Well, if you play Minnesota, you will. ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM. They're scoring all the time, it appears. We score every day here in the press box. Ed, Tyler, and Jared. Here we go. The first bite. Why do the Golden Knights struggle against good teams in the West? They're better than the bad ones. How's that? <laughs> They're oh, actually good. Oh, suddenly uh, it's not a good league? <laughs> exclamation points and capital letters with that statement. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I start with, uh, and I, I'm my no stats are coming, but I start with Minnesota alone, especially in Minnesota. I, that, that's like, boy, if you're a betting person, uh, look for the odds the next time they go back there and, and, and you know, empty the wallet uh, in terms of the wild. But uh, as you have here, 4-4-1 four, four, and one against other playoff contenders, Minnesota, St. Louis, and Colorado. So they've been pretty average against the better teams, haven't they? Yeah, because if you look at the Golden Knights record, they've played 14 games against Anaheim, L.A., San Jose, and Arizona. They're 12-2-0 in those 14 games. They are dominating the terrible teams in the West. But, and their, their record is going to be great because of it, because they're going to pile up a record that's something like 12-2-0 the rest of the way against those teams. And so their record's going to be fine. They're going to make the playoffs. They're going to have probably one of the better records in the NHL at the end of the season. But what you do against Anaheim, L.A., San, San Jose, and Arizona doesn't really matter much when you get to the playoffs, because you're not playing any of those teams in the playoffs. You're going to be playing Colorado or Minnesota or St. Louis in the playoffs. So 4-4-1 four, four and one's not bad, but I think coming into the year, we all expected the Golden Knights to be ahead of Minnesota and ahead of St. Louis. And right now, if you just threw Colorado out of that, they're 2-2-1 two, two and one against Minnesota and St. Louis. And that's more than likely your first round matchup. And if you're two, two and one against your first round matchup, you're probably not looking at a very easy series in that first no. round just to get to Colorado. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I was looking at that standings yesterday, trying to figure out uh, if it's Minnesota and they have to go there, you know, what a minimum of what it would be three times. Uh, and that could be an issue. I, I'm interested to see uh, St. Louis this weekend. Um, Back to back, you know how they do, how they work with the goalies, and, and who plays when. Uh, but we've seen St. Louis here against them, and they can certainly match up. So, you know, why have you tried to have you figured out? I know we had Ben Goats on the other day, and he said, you know, they have a great blue line, and you know they're able just to not allow you to get many great shots. But have you seen anything else of why the Wild just are a bad matchup? And this isn't just this year. This is going back to when the Golden Knights have been in the league. Like they've never been a good matchup with this team. The last two games have probably been the Golden Knights' worst two games of simply getting out of their own zone. Like, once they get the puck in their own zone and just getting it the hell out of their own zone, 
they've probably been the worst out of the last two games than maybe any other games this entire season. And that the Minnesota Wild are, are good enough to pick out their, you know, exits when they're trying to right. exit the zone. Right. They they whatever the Golden Knights are doing, Minnesota apparently knows it's coming and can sit on it better than any other team. So that's the biggest problem the Golden Knights have because the game yesterday, I mean, Minnesota, how many chances did Minnesota have that were simply because the Golden Knights turned it over in their own zone? Yeah. I mean, the, the first goal of the game. Yeah, the very it, first it, goal of the game, yeah. It's yeah. that. What was that? 14 Terrible seconds turnover. in. Was yeah. that. And so that that's the biggest issue when they've played Minnesota is for whatever reason, the Golden Knights have more giveaways in their own zone than against any other team. And Minnesota's good enough, A, to create those, and B, to actually turn those into chances. Whereas, you know, if you have a giveaway against L.A. or something like that, they might not even get it on net. So... That's that's one of the bigger issues there. But when when you look at the top four, let me ask you this: We've only seen them play St. Louis once, so we won't do St. Louis yet. But if they played Colorado right now in a seven game series, who are you picking to win that series? The way Colorado's been playing lately, um, I'm picking the Golden Knights in seven. Oh, look at that! All right, if they played Minnesota right now in seven, who are you picking to win that Ooh. series? I mean, what would it be? The Wild in a sweep? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think the I think the Wild would be a great series. I mean, I, you know, just after the last two nights, I mean, I, I, you know, it's seven games, so the Golden Knights, if they can only just focus in for seven games on one team, they're probably a more talented roster. So I think most people would pick them, but I'll, I'll go out on a limb here. I'll pick the Wild. And and so it's not that the playoffs are supposed to be easy, but we're right. looking at a team saw that last Knights. year. Yeah, we're looking at a team in the Golden Knights that are supposed to be Stanley Cup contenders, and there's a good chance their first-round series, we're looking around saying, well, somebody's winning this in seven. Like, there's there's a good chance that's how we view the first-round matchup. And again, not that the playoffs are supposed to be easy, but if you're winning the Stanley Cup and your first-round playoff series is, well, this could go seven, that's not really a great recipe because you're basically in a coin flip series in a year you should be contending for the Stanley Cup. Yeah. I think I think both could go seven, and by then, depending on how you know or who you see on the other end when they get to that four, you could be you could be done. We saw what happened last year with Dallas. I mean, they were better than Dallas. Now the goalie played out of his mind, and we've had good laughs about that. But they had a better roster than Dallas, so that means really we saw last year that really means nothing. And I think you know, looking back to the Dallas team, I know they got to the finals. I mean. I know Colorado are not Colorado in the wild. We'll keep St. Louis out for a second. Colorado in the wild as good or better than Dallas last year. Uh, yeah, probably not. I mean, Colorado, you know, um, I don't think that's a kind of scary or maybe, uh, interesting thing about Colorado. There's no way I think they've played their best. I mean, they're dropping games that just don't seem like, what are you doing? They can't score. If they ever really get it going, then the Knights could be in trouble if that goes to a seven-game series because they, I think they're really talented. So you're kind of waiting on them. I know DeBoer has said that you know he thinks the best hockey's ahead of them. Well, if Colorado's going to finally play like it should be, then the best hockey for the Knights better be in front of them because they won't win that series if they don't. Uh, here's, here's a question for you specifically on this game. M- maybe it's just me and I didn't see it, but... Why do we not treat hockey players that blow something in the final minute the same way we do football or basketball players? Um, well, basketball is interesting. Football, I just think because there's so few games and, 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 and you can just focus in on, you know, 
the moment where his hockey, there's so many, there's so many games like, okay, he had this whole cliche. Well, he had a bad night or, you know, he's, he has, he's been good to this point. Same way with, you know, same way with basketball, football. I mean, there's only so many games, so you're going to be overly critical, I think, on those games. Well, um, no, but if, if in basketball, if somebody yeah, they have as many games, yeah. Somebody if LeBron has a horrible game. Yeah. No, no, I'm not talking about a horrible I mean, game. I'm talking about you're down two in the final ten seconds of a basketball game, right. and you have an open. Smith goes the and you wrong have an, direction. No, shut up. Uh, you have an open layup, <laughs> and you miss the layup. Uh, you're getting, you're getting yes. skewered the next day. Well, Alex Tuck had a Tyler. Wide that's because Alex match. Tuck has been Tyler. That's because Alex Tuck's on a career year, and he's been good lately. But it, it, it doesn't matter. If, <laughs> it doesn't matter if anybody in any basketball game has an open layup to tie yes. it and just misses yeah. it in the final ten seconds. That guy's getting skewered the next day. I don't. I didn't see that with Alex Tuck. Yeah. Tuck had a wide open net ten feet away, and he missed the entire thing. Yeah. He put it wide, and I just I. I was like, "How do you can't miss that? You cannot miss that shot. That's a shot that you can't." miss if you're Alex Tuck and I, I feel like if that happened in any other sport we did it with Jonathan Abram and the Chiefs Jonathan Abram made a bad play against the Chiefs and we still bring it up to this day because it cost him a game yeah. that that cost them at least a point they would have got to overtime and gotten a point and I feel like we're not going to talk about it again the rest of the season it's not going to get brought up once again and I don't feel like anybody's really blaming Alex Tuck for missing what would have been a game tying goal yeah. with no the goalie's out of position and he's ten feet away well, and missed the whole damn net. It was not as egregious by far, but you can also say is why didn't Jonathan Marsha just elevate elevate the puck right. in the power play? Right. I mean, at, elevate the puck. At, at least Marsh so got it on net, but you're right, right. he had right. half the net to shoot at yeah. and he shot it into the goalie's pads, yeah. right? And right into his pads. That's that's why hockey's dumb because guys do that every single game. If you if you watch the game on NBC Sports Network, the intermission show, they were like, "Yeah, that's an that's an okay save from Flurry," but really they just shot it into his glove, and then he waved right. his arm around to make it look yes, better than yes. it actually was. Oh, like, what a great save! I, I saw I saw that that was a great great save on social media. It was an amazing <laughs> save! Exclamation point in capital letters. But that, uh, that's. That's what hockey is a lot of times, is guys just shoot it right into yes. the goalie. Yeah. Tuck didn't even do that. It's not like the guy made a save. Tuck missed the entire no. net. And I he just... was – the goalie was completely on the other side. I mean, he didn't right. – and here's the thing. He didn't even know when he missed it and went to the boards. That guy was, like, looking around scrambling on where is it? Where is it? What's happening? I mean, he, had, he was completely out of position. He I mean, he was like – Tuck and shot the puck. He no, was... he – I don't even know if he knew Tuck shot it because it hit the boards and they're scrambling in the back. And he's kind of looking around and saying, what happened? Where is it? I mean, yeah, you're right. Well, I look, I don't have a good answer for you as to why Twitter doesn't blow up on bad stuff. Uh, I will keep researching that and trying to be a good reporter on that. But uh, it is a mystery <laughs> as to when someone fails miserably in hockey and specifically with the Golden Knights, we don't get more of – the evaluation and grading. And Jared, we will start this out with Alex Tuck. FFF minus fail. <laughs> F, F, F <laughs> minus <laughs> fail. There you go. There you go. Uh, what grade are you uh, giving Dylan Coglin? Oh, I mean, he's the only one in the ice. He gets, uh, I mean, I'll give him an A. He's, he's, a. He hadn't scored a goal and he gets three. So, you know, <laughs> good for him. I mean, he's the only A coming out of last night. Uh, that's kind of cool to see. Later? 
Nah, no. we're not doing them. Right. Nah, we'll just do them now. You booked a guest <laughs> when we do grades. Yes, Jared. exactly. What do you think? Yeah. Listen, uh, I have the, the one advice for Dylan Coughlin that he now cannot apply to the rest of his life is, first off, A, never score a. your first career goal during a loss because yeah. then you get to come talk and it's about a loss and you're not allowed right. to be happy because it's sports and your your life should be over if you lost a game. But more importantly, B. dear God, don't score your first ever hat trick during a loss. Yeah. Oh my well, God! Because don't because do that. then you get the quote. Fail. You know, if we, you know, if we won, it would have been icing on the cake. <laughs> because like, that's the quote we get when uh, Dylan Coglin gets a hat trick and a loss. Dylan Coglin should be ecstatic. That dude scored a hat trick in an NHL game. His first goal turned into three, <laughs> and. In the post-game press conference, because this is what we do in sports, he's, like, not allowed to be happy because they lost the game. And it's like, dude, I, nobody nobody else cares. You can be happy. We're just fine yeah. that the guy who scored his first goal turned it into a hat trick. Nobody's going to be mad that you're smiling after a loss because, dude, you <laughs> scored a hat trick. Oh, God. It's a... Didn't Dreisler have one for Edmonton last night, and they won fourteen to one? That's when you have your hat trick. Yes, like, I lost. I lost track at six nothing. Uh, I Eric Branstrom was playing, so that's good for him. But like then he gets in, you know, gets the hat trick and the insane McDavid pass, and I'm like, and when you get a hat trick, win seven to one. Then you can talk about it. You can be excited about it, and you can have good quotes. Poor Dylan Coughlin. I did see afterwards though the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, made him come out to the ice there and hold up all three pucks. He had the suit on. He looked very, very happy. So good for him. He made him like it was a hostage nah. situation. Yes, yes, yes. Like we, we, like it's probably like, like because what, what did Stone say? I, I think I saw this quote on Twitter also. Um, we were trash. So our, when the our, captain our execution was yeah, trash. Yeah. So when the captain says that and they're like, come out to the ice, you're sneaking out there, man, even if you had a hat trick. I mean, you're sneaking in the dark with like whoever the social media person is now. And you're going out there and uh, saying, take that picture fast because the best guy says we were trash. All right. Coming up next, the rest of the NFL ruined it for the Raiders. I can't even tell you guys that they need to spend big money on a wide receiver because all the wide receivers got tagged. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. NFL free agency. Oh, it gets neutered by the franchise tag. We got to get rid of the franchise tag. Uh, Allen Robinson got tagged by the Chicago Bears. Chris Godwin got tagged by the Bucks. The uh, one of the three big wide receivers that actually is going to make it to free agency is Kenny Galladay because the Lions chose not to tag him, which was actually a surprise because the reports leading up to it were that they were thought to be tagging uh, Kenny Galladay. So Galladay is the only sort of high-end, number one uh, known wide receiver on the free agent market. There's a lot of guys in that second tier, whether it's a guy like Will Fuller or even somebody like the Raiders' own Nelson Aguilar. There's a lot of wide receivers out there, but as far as high-end guys, only one of the three is actually making it to free agency in Kenny Galladay. So... I kind of feel like the rest of the NFL ruined this and the Raiders have no chance at getting a big time free uh, wide receiver in free agency. Have you seen anyone besides Aguilar take Galladay out? Um, I can even, I, I guess include Fuller here because uh, he's probably going to be in the same uh, price range as someone like Aguilar. Have you seen anyone right now that you would take after Galladay more than Nelson Aguilar or should they just try to bring him back because he was pretty good last year and they know 
you know, they know who he is. And, and, and if you can get him at like six or seven million, then you just take him back. Yeah, I mean, if it's the same price, you probably just bring back the guy that you had last year just for the continuity of it. Um, but is you know, Marvin Jones is probably better than Nelson Aguilar. Will Fuller's probably better than Nelson right. Aguilar. Um, if we were you know starting from scratch, I'd probably take those two. But if they're roughly the same price, I not a big deal with bringing Aguilar back. The question is like, are they going to spend six, seven, eight million dollars on Nelson Aguilar? Like I, I, they created a lot of cap space, but they also made themselves a lot of holes when they did it as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated how much of a priority they make wide receiver, or do they go into next year saying, "Well, we drafted Henry Ruggs in the first round, so it's time Henry Ruggs plays like a number one wide receiver." I'm, I'm curious because maybe it's as simple as you bring back Nelson Aguilar, or maybe it's well, we don't have that much money, so. Zay Jones, you want a million dollars to come play some significant snaps for us this year? I think they go more defense and they go opposite of what we're saying where they still need a number one because I think, again, I was talking to someone uh, someone in the paper about this yesterday. Look, everyone in their position, meaning Gruden and Mayock, have egos, right? They they think what they do is, you know, what they're supposed to do and their guys are their guys. And it's really hard for them to admit mistakes um, unless your name's Lynn Bowden. But uh, I... <laughs> I think these guys uh, can challenge anyone within the league for ego. And I just believe that in the back of their minds, they want Henry Ruggs uh, to perform, not only because they might win more games, I get that, but as much for to prove everyone wrong because they have heard endlessly, like you took the wrong guy. We're going to give you six guys who are better and played better than him, and you took the wrong guy. So if I had to bet, they will go more uh, – they will not make a strong run at someone. Now, they might bring Aguilar back. I get that. But I don't think they're going to overpay or try to pay high for a second-level receiver. I think they're going to say, Brian Edwards we believe in, Henry Ruggs we believe in, and we're going to go with what we have and try to bring Aguilar or someone like that back in. Yeah, so my expectation for next year offensively is this team is probably going to be a little bit worse than they were this last season because – a, is the, off, is the offensive line going to be any good? I, I, who's going to be on the offensive line? So that's a question as we stand right here. But B, to me, the only way the offense gets better, there's two ways this offense could get significantly better. Number one is getting a better quarterback than Derek Carr. If you could get one of the top five guys, your offense is going to be better. But the other way is to add a legitimate number one wide receiver. And because only one of them is going to hit free agency, it makes it much less likely the Raiders throw a bunch of money at Kenny Galladay. So to me, next year, you look at the offense, I don't know that you you should actually expect to be better because the talent is probably going to be a little bit worse than it was this past season. Yeah. Um, no, I agree with you. The offensive line, we were talking in the break, all of a sudden guys like Eric Fisher out there, uh, you made a good point. They could have used him in the Super Bowl. He's you know He's a veteran now. He's older. Um, I have no idea what Eric Fisher would cost on the open market. That's the other thing. It's going to be interesting when the season, when the you know the league season starts, and you really start seeing. Okay, what do these guys think they're worth? And now with the cap, what are they really worth? Someone like him, probably at this late, you know, former first round pick, thinks he's worth more than probably is out there for him. Maybe even resigns. Like people think, say, Incognito and Jackson are going to do with the Raiders, maybe at lower terms. But yeah, I mean the offensive line. So if you're doing with this in the offensive line. I would think or I would hope, I mean, I guess I would hope you're trying to build, rebuild that before you worry about anywhere else. Because if you become exponentially worse than you were, you're exactly right, Tyler, then you're not going to be as good offensively. It doesn't matter who your receivers are. So yeah. I would hope they're I would hope they're saying, hey, 
And maybe in the background, we don't know that Jackson and Incognito are already going to come back at lower prices and they're going to be fine. Um, if they, you know, they got to, you know, replace Trent Brown at, at that spot. But yeah, I would think that the offensive line right now is their main concern on offense. All right. This is uh, breaking news outside of the Raiders. Um, oh, Garrett, I know where I know where you're going with it. I know. Gary Parrish just tweeted a source yes. confirmed to CBS that Duke is out of the ACC tournament because of a COVID nineteen issue within the program. Uh, as far as I know, this is the first college basketball team that has had to miss their conference tournament or pull out of their conference tournament because of COVID. Nobody else has had this issue, right? No, and it's okay. too bad because if you listen to Coach K last night, they're already in the NCAA tournament. This is already the NCAA tournament. The conference tournaments, this is what you say when you're Coach K and you're about to miss the NCAA tournament for like the second time in 67 years. We're already in the NCAA tournament. We're just playing on to try to keep advancing. That was the weirdest quote like I've ever heard, especially from a guy at his, with his accomplishments, that it's like, okay, that makes no sense. You're not in the NCAA tournament. But now, as you said, they're now reporting – uh, um, a uh, Duke has a positive Kate uh, test, and they won't play Florida State, so they're out apparently. So Florida State advances. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess if you're the ACC, you're hoping it's just Duke at this point, right? I mean this this is what like when we look at the NCAA tournament, this is the fear here is yeah. that you yeah. you get it like they they have the teams that'll be replacement teams. So if somebody has to back out at the right. start of the tournament, you're fine. But once you get into the first games, the, the replacement teams are done for. So what happens if you're in the Sweet 16 and somebody's got to back out? And granted, the hope is everybody's in Indianapolis and not yes. doing anything that would do this. But I assume the Duke players are supposed to be in their hotel or playing basketball and nothing else right now. So, yeah, this is like this is the fear in college basketball, especially when you have a bracket-style tournament. Like, what happens oh. when a team's out? Oh, you just lose – you just lose them. Can, can you imagine, and no one wants this to happen, but can you imagine not only the money loss, but they get to the Final Four and they've got Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, and Illinois. Will they have every one of those kids like in a closet under a blanket? Can you, can you imagine the fear and nervousness as they – because they'll, take, they'll have to test them every day, right? I mean, I know for a fact the Mountain West teams – in the noon game today that we talked about this last week, they were tested this morning at 5:45 and 6 a.m. Now I assume that's because right now those tests are being looked at and seeing if anyone's positive. But if you get to that final four and like, just say you have powerhouses and CBS and all the money that's gone into it, man, I can only imagine how they're going to try to protect and go against no test. Because if that was a positive test, that would just be a disaster for the NCAA. All right. Coming up next, David Roth joins the show. Swing and a high fly ball, right field, coming over, getting under it, and making the catch for the third and final out to put the ball game away. The Marlins have done the job. They win this one 2-1. to one. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Joining us now is David Roth from The Defector. Uh, David, I'm sure you love being compared to your podcast co-host, Drew McGarry, but uh, Drew at one point was on uh, the show with us and told us that he just 
he was he was not about college sports this year. That he could he could handle watching pro sports, but he was just disgusted watching college sports. And we had news that Duke has had to pull out of the ACC tournament because of a COVID test. And I'm just curious, are you in the are you in the same boat as Drew has been this year, where you don't care about college sports? I think I've been more conflicted about it than him. Like Drew is, I mean, for a guy that presents himself as like this big goofy dancing like he like sort of acts like one of those things you see blowing around outside of like a used car dealership like the small <laughs> guys like but and he's actually like a very focused very like decisive dude and so he just basically cut college football loose and he had been pretty hardcore about it in the past i had, was i had been kind of like weaning myself off of it for 10 years i i mostly didn't watch college basketball this year i have been watching the conference tournament season and like there's enough of a, like, you know, there's some stupid gland in my brain that fires whenever I see, like, a Horizon conference semifinal, and I'm like, oh, I like this. But it's I have been more ambivalent about it, for sure, than, than in the past. Would it be the greatest story in the world or the worst if you get to a Final Four with powerhouses and Gonzaga has a positive test and they have to cancel? I mean, it just feels like we're sort of cruising towards that sort of thing, right? Like, I mean, it's, they, they sort of are figuring it out, but they're not really figuring it out. I mean, Duke's had, like, a uniquely cursed season, it feels like, all around. And, like, I'm imagining that, like, I'm sure their test is legitimate, but also, like, they, it's not like they weren't looking for an excuse to just pull the plug on this and get on to the next one. <laughs> like, I mean, I would be if I were in their shoes. But, the like, yeah, like, the, Gonzaga's been, like, the one team that, like, I remember early in the season when there was a, a tournament, like, one of those early season things in North Dakota, it was like the middle of, it was like the epicenter of the epicenter of that wave of COVID. And like all these other schools were, you know, like Wichita State was like in and then they were out because it was like obviously a really bad idea to have a tournament there. And Gonzaga was the one school that was like, no, we're in, like, we're going to win every game this year. Like send us whoever you want. Like we'll play right state at two in the afternoon and then we'll fly our guys back across the country. And you know, whatever, there's still, undefeated i watched them the other night and like they look really really good uh it's always the same thing where it's like you know i don't know what the wcc what the level of quality is like they seemed about 20 percent better than byu and that seems to be the only really good team in the conference so who knows what any of this means uh better or worse idea going to south dakota when they're having their worst spike to play college basketball or letting 100 percent capacity in to watch the texas rangers play a baseball game God, I mean, they, I mean, there's a lot of. Uh, that's a good question. There's there are many ins and outs. I think the the Dakota thing felt way worse to me, just because it was like you know, it was the worst time and the worst place. It was like a like a taunt, you know, like it had a real like sort of first act to the horror movie thing, where being like, "What's up? What are you scared?" Like sort of stuff. <laughs> like every team was acting like somebody that winds up getting uh, hit with an axe by Michael Myers. <laughs> the the Rangers thing is kind of weird to me because, like, again, with the, like, the idiot rationalization part of my brain, like, I was talking about it with Drew yesterday, and it was like you could hear us going through the stages of making a bad decision, like, as we were talking about it. I was like, well, it's outdoors. And he's like, yeah, because it's a retractable roof. And I was like, but you'd have to go to the bathroom. And you'd be like, well, you wear a mask. Of course, everybody's wearing a mask. And, like, I mean, I think it's a little bit dumb I think mostly it's early, though. Like I've, like I, at this point, like given how well the rollout is going here, like I've let myself think that I'm going to go to a couple of baseball games this year in New York, and I'm like very much looking forward to that. I don't know, you know, how comfortable it'll feel or whatever, but 
the question, I mean, with Texas is just that, like, are they doing it because they think that it's a good idea and they could manage it, or are they doing it because, like, Greg Abbott loves to get posts off, you know? Like, yeah. And it's, sort of, it's like a coin flip with them always. They, uh, we're, I was watching last night the news, and they, they have no chance on spring break. They showed a picture at Galveston. There must have been 10,000 people down there. I didn't see one mask, and they're like, hey, everyone come to Galveston. I mean, what a disaster oh, that's going to be in spring break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just, I mean, spring break in general is like, it, it's a miracle that this is the first year that everybody's really thinking about it that way, because it's like, that's been a low key super spreader tradition <laughs> for as long as I've been alive. Like, it's just, you know, it just depends on what, what everybody's sharing with everyone else. <laughs> but yet, that, uh, like, definitely feels kind of off. Although, again, it's the sort of thing where there's a part of me where I'm like, all right, you know, stay outside, uh, be responsible, whatever. Like, I'm a little a little young to be giving that kind of, like, have fun out there, like, parental advice to these kids. But the whole point of spring break is that you're not responsible. Like, the idea of going there and, like, doing right. contact tracing or whatever. Yeah. Like, the people are, are, like, drinking things out of each other's belly buttons. That's why they go. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, what do you? What level of responsibility are you expecting? Uh, the last time we had you on, you said it was a treat for yourself to watch the Mets play a spring training game in the daytime. Um, hey, I, I, I think I should check on you and make sure you're okay because that seems <laughs> yeah. like a low level treat. Uh, <laughs> But B, how like, a very low dose treat. <laughs> how how much spring training do you watch? Like, what do you, what do you do with spring training baseball as far as your entertainment? So uh, very little, honestly. Like, I mean, I, what I do with it is kind of like I'm getting myself back into shape to watch most or all of a baseball game because it is kind of not a natural thing to just sit down for an open ended thing that like might be really bad. Like, it's not like watching a movie because, like, it's much slower. There are more commercials. Like, you wind up disappointed in a way that you don't if you watch a bad movie. So, like, in some ways, it's like just getting ready to be upset by the Mets again and, like, sort of stealing my, myself for it. But I'm, I'll watch a few innings at a time. I feel like daytime baseball is always a treat for me. It's different on the West Coast because you guys get, like, NFL games at brunch time and stuff. Like, we everything's in the afternoon here for the most part. So the idea of, like turning on the TV and like accidentally happening upon two innings of like Jacob deGrom. Like that's pretty cool. It's not that cool. Cause you're only getting two innings and the game doesn't count. And there's like guys running wind sprints in the outfield. And it's like very obviously not <laughs> real baseball, but it's, there's something about it that uh, like, yeah, treat is a, is a word that I should probably have <laughs> reconsidered there because this is like the, it contains the absolute minimum amount of baseball that could still be labeled baseball and sold as such. But I'm like, whatever. I mean, I'll take it. It's been a long winter. Did you see the other day, I'm sure you did, where I don't think they had a game, but they practiced the drill of, ex, of um, celebrating the World Series title, the Mets? They did like, yeah. tw- I think it was 27 outs, and then the last one was a fly ball. And they all like practice how they would run in and jump on each other. Yeah, uh, that was uh, that, that was really divisive in the Mets DM. Uh, somebody, somebody, no one thought it was a jinx, so I think we moved beyond that. But the, it went from being like, "Ah, oh, it's cute, let them have their fun," to being like, "You know, Mickey Mouse, well, I don't care for it." I think the thing, to the the variable there is that these are baseball players that we're talking about, and that like the things that they might be amused by or it might work on them. Like if you're like a normal person and you're like, well, I don't want to like jump on my homies for no reason. Like, why would I do that? 
it's different when you have like a baseball player's brain. You're like, oh, cool. Like, let's let's pretend I want to bat my friend on the, on the head with my glove and pretend that we just defeated the Yankees six months from now. Baseball players, but baseball players do it all the time. In college, it, you have like your conference tournament, then a regional, then a super regional, yeah. then the college World Series. And in baseball, you, you clinch the playoff spot, you clinch the division, and then you win three playoff series. They get plenty of practice during the regular season. They don't need it in spring training. I know. Well, I guess it's, you know, I, it does seem like the sort of thing where like you don't need to prepare for it. Like it would seem studied. Like, yeah, like the same way you wouldn't need to like practice bunting, but you need to practice bunting. But yeah, like practicing like whooping and throwing your glove in the air, it does seem like the sort of thing you can figure out in the moment. I do like the way that the expanded playoffs have increased the number of like celebratory moments that you get. Like there's like the um like Brian Dozier like rapping along perfectly to uh like a Oh gosh, it was I'm forgetting the song, but it was like entirely in Spanish. He was in like perfect Dominican accented Spanish in the national locker room. Like, that was a cool moment from the year they won the World Series, but that wasn't after they won the World Series. It was after they won, like, a wild card game. <laughs> uh, just, like, you expand the party opportunities, you get more moments. My, uh, my co-host will dread this, but I have to ask you this because we're asking everyone this week. What did you think, oh, Harry and Megan? I didn't. So this is I've consumed that entirely through people's responses to it. It's not watched. That's the best way. Thank you. Yeah, that's the best way. Which is, but I Drew watched all two hours and is very open about it. Like our podcast this week, we had on a writer from New York Magazine, Rachel Handler, and it's just the two of them going back and forth about what a great job Oprah did for like five minutes. Like I could have left the room; it would have been rude. But I was like, I have nothing to contribute here. Like I'm sure she did a great job. <laughs> Apparently she did, and I gather, like, to me, like, the thing with Markle that's that's funny is that, like, she, I've I've seen a Hallmark movie with her in it, and she's delightful. Like, she's just, like, a really, I've seen little bits of suits, you know, like, after, like, if the, if you leave it on TNT after watching an NBA game, and then, like, suits is on the next day, so I've seen trace elements of that. She seems totally delightful, and it's incredible to me that, like, the dumbest people in the world will wreck their lives because they have to say something bad about her. <laughs> that I, I have been you for the entire week as oh. Ed goes on and on about oh, like this damn yeah. interview that I, I didn't enough watch and had like, I had like zero context going into it. And all of a sudden it's <laughs> all I've heard about for four days. Yeah. And there's also, there's a lot of characters. Like if it was just the sort of thing where it was like the two of them and then like someone was rude to them, I would understand that dynamic. But there's all that whole family. It's like also no one dies in that family anymore. So there's like no. all these guys that are like 170 no. years old, and they're yeah. like, I don't know. You called me a Crimean. No one understands yeah. why he did that. Like just all these like desiccated princes. They've got the Prince Philip guy. He he's like 150. They they've transported him to four different hospitals in the last month. I mean, he just keeps getting into ambulances, going to each hospital. I'm like my God. I mean, you know, I don't want anyone's demise, but it's like this guy's holding on. Yeah, he's also, he's like sending some signals. Like he's kind of like once you go to like four different hospitals in a month, you're kind of like like gesturing for the check a little bit. Like it's kind of. But yeah, he's like there. There was a great story about them that I saw earlier. This is like the one bit that I consumed that really got through the uh, the wire. But there was like so after this thing happened, people are talking about the royal family, and it was just mentioned in passing that they all travel with, like, backup bags of their own blood, just in case. And <laughs> what? The, the, and that the queen what? is regularly, they use the phrase, topped up. 
with her own blood. <laughs> like a drink? Like as, as, yeah, like like you were at a like bottomless brunch. Like someone was like, Do you want some more of your own blood, ma'am? And she was like, Yeah, I'm feeling a little yeah, let's do it. Let's be bad. Uh, which wait, is okay. <laughs> Incredible. This is a little morbid for early in the morning. I'm sorry about that. No, I am now blown away by this because are they are they horrified that if they had an accident, they'd have to get somebody else's blood put into them so they have backup blood in case? I have to assume that's the case, that the idea is like that bloodline is so precious. It's like a, whatever, oh, UNESCO World right. Heritage Site. Like they've that's been right. marrying each other for 400 years. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like, I didn't think of that. It's the bloodline. Blood that, doping oh. is is like the queen getting the queen's blood. Like whatever. That, yes, it has to be the. Let's you hear that word with them constantly. The bloodline. The bloodline. That makes total sense that they're using their own blood. They're betting on but themselves. Is, oh God, it is incredibly morbid, and also it's the sort of thing where like you'd like to think that if someone like, close to them. Like, obviously, no one does this. They're the royalty. But if someone was like, you know, this is weird, right? And, like, other people, if they knew about it, would probably be really upset. And they'd be like, oh, no, quite. You know, and then maybe they would stop. But they don't. Everybody's like, oh, yeah. See, just everybody travels with their own uh, blood. You're just oh. the only one. <laughs> Jeez. Well, he is David Ross. Make sure you check out the Defector. Thanks for horrifying us this morning, David. I appreciate it. Thanks, David. I appreciate you. Thanks, guys. Thank Have you. a good one. They're Dak Prescott betting on themselves with the blood. I I had not heard that one, and yet it makes complete sense that if they needed a transfusion, I mean, they're hoping it's not Tyler and Ed who had a visit to London and got hit by a train or something. Your I mean, blood it, would be better. I mean, no, it's different. just they have worked on that that line of blood for four hundred oh, years. They have, they're not oh, yeah. they're, they're going to let somebody mess it up. Sisters together. That's, that's, right. that's, that's their, that, their family uh, has worked hard on that. They are not That's letting some accident put Ed's blood in them. No, no. Then they're going to start faking Irish accents. And yes, gonna, yes. Oh, oh, you can't have that in Buckingham oh, Palace. How depressed would the English people be if they got my blood and started talking with a brogue? They're like, what the hell happened? They start becoming horrible drivers. Weird stuff happens to the royal family. I mean, uh, I, I that was a great line by him. Now we need to make this happen. We need to drain that drain and leak his blood into the queen. Into the queen. Oh, God, right. that is that is beautiful. With the guy, he said they've been marrying each other for four hundred years. Coming up next, something less horrifying. Hopefully, you're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. All right, we all swapped blood during the break. Uh, this segment, Jared, you're in charge. What are we doing? All right, so maybe Ed can help me out a little bit. Uh, yesterday no chance, on Twitter, Sam from Sam and Ash apparently made a bunch of fake bands for Life is Beautiful. And so what I thought would be fun is to see how many of the bands from the actual 2021 Life is Beautiful lineup you guys knew. All right. I know at least one of the headliners. Knew, knew or heard of. <laughs> like, I'm not, and there's no, no chance I no, have, no. like, songs. Just what, I've oh, heard of no, it. that's literally my follow-up. If you say okay. yes, I've got to go name a song. Oh, no chance. I'll just say yes and say pass, no comment. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the royal family. I'm going to no comment you, but go ahead. Okay. No Billie Eilish. Yes, I've heard oh. of her. Okay, name a song. Yes, I've heard of her. 
Um, I can't name a song. I, if okay. I heard one, I'd know it for sure because I know what she sounds like. But naming the actual song, no chance. Good I Lord. can at least give you the fact if you YouTube, because Adam Hill sent me this yesterday because we had that UNLV game got stupid in the second half. <laughs> Billie Eilish with um, Rain, who plays, um, who plays uh, Dwight on The Office. Billie Eilish is supposedly the greatest Office fan in the history of the world. She's watched the entire series like 12 or 13 times. Rain Wilson showed up at her house, knocked on her door, and gave her the hardest office quiz in history, and she knew most everything. So that's what I know about Billie Eilish. And she he, sings. He just knocked on the door with like yep. a piece of paper and started asking yep. her questions? He, sh- he showed up with a camera crew, and he knocked on the door, and she opened the door, and she goes, oh, my God. And they sat at a dinner table, and he just asked her bizarre office questions, and she knew. That's what, There you go. That's better than any song. That is. How would I know a song? Come on. That is lapping the field. Now. Come on. Green Day. Oh, yes. Yes. Name a song. I, I should know a song by Green Day, but I can't think of one off the top of uh, my head. <laughs> I absolutely know Green Day. No comment to your next question. Tame Impala. <laughs> nope, that's a car. No, no. That's, okay. Yeah, that's a Honda. I have no idea. ASAP Rocky. Uh, that is uh, a band about Ash's dog. Good Lord. No, I got no. I I <laughs> no. have no idea. No, no idea what that is. Haim. Haim? Yeah. How do spell you that? Oh, Haim? spell that. H a i m. No, no chance. No. No. no comment. No comment. <laughs> Young Thug. Nope. Ah, uh, no comment. Glass Animals. No. No, why? No, I have no idea who no, Glass Animals no. is. How far down the list are we already? Oh yeah, where are we going here with this? Because obviously, I feel like we're getting into we, the small print. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, is this no, like the first no, day we're, band? We're still on the second. We were on the second row. Wait, no. wait a second. Haim is a headliner. Second row. You're telling uh, me Haim is playing the second to last <laughs> set one of these days? <laughs> okay. Saint Vincent. St. Vincent where DePaul. LeBron James oh, yeah. Exactly. Good Catholic school that LeBron played at. St. Vincent DePaul. They they wore the, right, uh, the jerseys right. with more. the big clover on them. Two more. Modest Mouse. Oh, I've heard of them. Float on. All right, we got our first. Yeah! <laughs> no comment. Tyler takes the lead. Go ahead. Ludicrous. Yes! Oh, yes. Uh, yes, yes, yes. I'm yes. going to go out of the And I'm embarrassed. Soon. He has a song called Ludacris. Yeah, I don't My, think so. I'm going to be embarrassed. I'm going to say I absolutely have heard of them, and the fact that I don't know a song, my my uh, kids have just don't, disowned me. But yes, Here's I have heard question. of Ludacris. When is the last time Ludacris put out an album? I mean, well, well, if, it's if, not going to be us. If you knew the answer off the top of your head, that would be great. But that was just a general question because I feel like Ludacris hasn't had an album in a long time. And according to Wikipedia, it was 2015. Why? I still think The Office wins.